listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Figure we should jump into this thing. Dude, I love y'all's setup, man. Kirk, I, I gotta say, man, Kirk, you look like you're in a studio, man, and and uh Bracken, you look like you're at a running store. And uh I look like I'm at Hobby Lobby. The last time we talked to each other, were we in our in different recording studios? Has it been that long? I don't it's been a minute, guys. It's been a minute. It's been too long. I don't think I remember. I mean, I've seen Bracken's wall since because I've watched other episodes and stuff. But um, I don't think the last time we actually chatted, you guys had had this set up, man. It looks good. We're professionals, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of being professional, probably weekly, I say something to Lisa like, I don't know how people that know me or people that know sport like well are going to take what we said this week. Cause I, I, we generally feel confident about what we say, but it's always like the people that know us or the people that, you know, know physiology or racing. Like how do they sometimes take the things we say? You're one of the people that always comes to mind because if we ever say anything that either gets you interested or you disagree with, I get a message from you relatively quickly. <laughs> so I know that it's going to cross your desk and you're going to judge it either right or wrong. And, and so you're one of my litmus tests for, are we, are we saying anything useful? I think you guys are great, man. Honestly, I, I actually listened to um, your latest episode yesterday when I was on the treadmill, Bracken. I think I was texting you about that um, yesterday. I listened to that Monsters in the Dark episode um, and I was actually living it. You know, I was, I was deep in a grind of, of a workout and um, I felt like I was living what you guys were, were preaching there. But um, I honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts and you guys are always the most informative of, of, of anyone. You're, you're well-spoken, you're knowledgeable. Um, and I even find, you know, I've been doing this for 30 some years, man. I've been competing since I was four to five years old. And uh, I, I, I sometimes listen to y'all and, and feel like I'm still learning. So, yeah, kudos, kudos to you guys. <laughs> that wasn't where I was going. Yes, for it was. With it, I wasn't fishing, but I will take that compliment, Train. Take it, man. Speaking about being in the you know the endurance realm for 30 years or whatever it is, which is kind of mind blowing when you think, because you started at a really young age, if I'm not mistaken. You were like seven out there ripping up the roads, weren't you? Something like that. But. Like five. Five, yeah. Five. When we did our initial interview with you, I think we, we covered all that um, in your backstory, which is a good listen. Go back. We enjoyed that conversation. But um, I was watching old Spartan races here as I had COVID this last like week and a half. And trans talk about it, like the transformation you have made, like still learning, so to speak. Like I went back and I was watching West Virginia and you were what? 25 pounds lighter there than you are today what would you say like what you're what you've done with yourself in the last five years is kind of astonishing speaking of monsters in the dark i guess is what i'm getting at yeah i actually went back and was feeling nostalgic and watched that west virginia race at least up until about the tire flip when i kind of gave up my lead to killian there but 
I look back on that and I, I look at myself and I'm just like, God, I was just, I was so tiny. I was so skinny and, and frail. And, um, but that was kind of what I needed to be in order to, f- to perform well in, in that arena. But, you know, when the hybrid racing thing took off, I was able to go back to really what I've always enjoyed doing. And that's, that's strength training. That's, that's cross training. It's running, it's lifting. It's, it's all of these components blended together. Whereas when I was doing Spartan, you know, it was essentially just a running program with some pull-ups kind of thrown in there to, to make sure I could get through. But, uh, it's pretty bizarre looking back at some of those races um, in Spartan and, and kind of comparing my my physique from back then to now. Because right now I'm about 185, even pushing 190 right now with, you know, more of a focus on high rocks and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've really I've transformed my body like many, many different times over the years to, to just really whatever task is is laid in front of me. I think about you a lot in training because I think our mindset and some of our demons are similar. If I, I don't know how much you would agree with that, but I feel like we go through some of the same mental cycles in our training and in our racing where, where we're not like that person who's just always at the same level. Like we have our, our peaks and we have our valleys and, and we have those times where we have to be convinced sometimes of how good we were and other times where no one could convince us otherwise that we're better than we are or whatever it is. I, I see a lot of you, but it's always stuck to me, your body transformations, because when I first saw you, first time I ever saw you was down in Texas uh, at the Spartan Team Championship. You ran the, uh, the elite race while we did the team and you were just this muscular runner and you could run and you were strong and you didn't know a thing about obstacles. And the next time I saw you, you were good at obstacles. You were just as big. You were just as fast. And then all of a sudden at Tahoe one year, remember, I noticed it because you were in this Salomon red or white uh, sense, like two set vest or whatever. And I, it looked like the lightest vest I'd ever seen, but you also looked like the lightest I'd ever seen you. And you're like, man, I've just been running. I dropped like 12 pounds. I just, I'm not even trying. I've just been running and running and running. And that year you were faster than you've ever been and a little worse at obstacles like you were still performing at a world level and then the next time i saw you you were 12 pounds heavier and just crushing obstacles and bad terrain and carries and a little slower but you were still at the top level and it's always struck me that whatever you do with your body it balances out to kind of the same level of fitness where some days you're out running everyone and you might fall off the monkey bars or fail the tire and other days you're out muscling everyone and they might go past you on the run, but no matter what you've done with your body, you're one of the rare people that can compete at any weight. You just compete differently at every weight. Yeah, that was, you know, I never really thought about that until you mentioned it, but um, yeah, when I look back at that 2018 season, when I really probably had my, my big breakout year, that was when I was probably the slowest I'd ever been, but I was also really, really strong and was good at compromised running. And Mm -hmm. really, when I think about it, I I think what I end up doing is I I follow a protocol for training until I I sort of feel like it stalls out and I need to switch, switch things up. And that was kind of when I had my best performance at the World Spartan World Championships in Tahoe, which was 
I think 2019, maybe when, when Cody and I were battling there for, for that fifth, fifth spot there at the finish, that whole season I'd focus nothing. 2018. Okay. That was 18. Okay. I'd focused on nothing but running like that whole season. And that year in West Virginia at the North American Championships, I had a bomb. I bombed it. Like you, I think you and I spoke after that race, Bracken, and we were just like, wow, we, cause you didn't have a great race there either. I think you might've even beat me. Sitting on the ground, trying to find shade, just wanting to cry. Yep. And that race was the end of that way of training. From that point on, from West Virginia to the world championships, I went back to doing like more Metcons and, and strength training and, and really just flipped the 180 on, on my training. And it really revived my fitness just in time for the world championships. And I was able to, you know, rebound and, and put it back together. But, you know, to what you were saying, I think what I end up doing is I just, I follow something until I feel like it's no longer working. And then I just, I, I, I switch it up, you know? Mm-hmm. You almost have to do that in in the old like style of seasons where they're so long, because that year you went to San Jose, which was in March, and the World Championships are in September, October. So we're talking six, seven months, which I guess is sort of a condensed season compared to now. But if I remember that year, you were injured, so you did a bunch of like compromised Metcon style work early in the year. Then you finally got healthy and switched over to running all the time. And that got you so far until that stalled out. And then you had to go back and rattle the cage again and go back to a different style. I find that tremendously like tracks with me as well. Like if you're like a high end athlete, like you Bracken, maybe myself, like we're responders, right? Like we respond to our cage getting shook. Right. And so we, we progress really quickly with what we choose and then we hit a ceiling and then we got to go rejig the system a little bit. At least that's what I find with me. Like when you're a responder, like I can get in shape in three to six weeks. I can be ready to race in four if I have to. But that only lasts for like another month. And then I'm like, okay, now what? I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about there, but. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that 100%. And mm-hmm. I'm even going through that a little bit right now as I, I transition away from, from DECA fit training into high rocks training. I'm, I'm so thankful that, that, the way you prepare for those events are, yeah, there's some crossover, but really a, a DecaFit training program versus a high rocks training program is good. It should look completely different. And I think I was really getting burnt out on just trying to be as fast as I could be, you know, and now it's like, let's just get to get to, you know, I can go back to focusing on strength and the ability to just kind of suffer and, and sit in that place rather than worrying about how, how fast I can be. So, um, I really like that about at least the hybrid, the hybrid sports right now is that it's two different training methods for two different races. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about specifically kind of refocusing, redefining what we want to be, and then going after that. And this episode, we wanted to do right around the new year with you because everyone's caught up in that. Most people are caught up in that. It's a new year, new me kind of thing. I, I need to revitalize. I need to start now. But it's a really daunting task if you've let it go. You know, what we were talking about prior to this is when you hit a, a valley that is based on stagnation or burnout, not a valley based on lack of fitness. 
Like when you stalled out, it was because you've been doing the same thing for months or you had been dinged up for a little bit or whatever it was. It wasn't because you missed a year of training, but a lot of people are at the point where they've missed six months. They've missed a year. They've, they've, they've gained their weight. They've lost all their speed, but you are one of the only people in the sport that I know of who has gone from world-class athlete down to the point where most of our listeners could outrun you. And then got all the way back up to world champion. And that sounds dramatic, but it's not. You literally live that. And I want you to walk us through it. But it's one thing for Kirk and I to talk about, yeah, comebacks are easy. And Kirk's had comebacks. I'm in the midst of one. But I don't think either of us ever got quite as far out of shape as you did. And yet neither of us have ever hit the highs that you've hit after. And so I I really do want to hear about the actual anatomy of your comeback. And I think people need to know that it's going, no matter how bad it truly is, that's not it. But there is a process and it has to be followed. And Kirk, I'm sure you have questions you want to ask. I, w- I want to just listen actually for a while. So you guys kind of take it from here, but I wanted us all three to be on the same page of like what this truly means for someone who's been as low as you can imagine being after being at the top. You want me to just go on <laughs> i do i and maybe start with describing what you had reached at in terms of running metrics and fitness and what you got down to and why you got to that level of of fitness okay so let's see my my hiatus from fitness late 2020 into early 2021 ended up being about a four month break from from training there there was a few patches in there where I tried to get it back together and then it just like wasn't the right time and I know people take had I had I taken six months to a year do I think that I would be where I am today I I don't know I can't answer that for sure um but I will say that I didn't expect it to be as challenging as it was to get my fitness back because I had taken when I was in high school and college, like I never really did anything over the summers. And then, you know, you come back to the first week of cross country and, you know, you're just thrown into, you know, hell's den. And, you know, within like two weeks, you're like fitness is back. And, but as you get older, it it becomes a little bit more challenging to, to get back to where you were. And, you know, if I could put a timeline on it, uh, really 2020, I, we OCR stars, which was a virtual, virtual event that, that Hunter McIntyre was putting on. Um, I, I was competing in that. And the last event was a one mile time trial. And I actually flew out to Wisconsin to, to Bracken's house in early November of 2020 and decided I was doing well in, in the virtual comp and I was like, let me get away from altitude, go down to sea level, try to pop a, a good mile. And um, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to really hit the time that I wanted. It, it could have been weather. It could have been anything. I remember it being very, very cold that morning and cold, windy, terrible pacing. <laughs> it wasn't great. I ended up running like, I don't know, like low 440s for, for the mile and 441, 442, somewhere in there. Something like that. Yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, and there weren't any races. So this OCR stars, OCR stars event was kind of like the highlight of the year. 
And uh, I got back from from your place in Wisconsin. And about a week later, I, I went to the track and I did a five by mile workout with 60 seconds rest. And I popped a good one. I mean, probably one of the best ones I've ever done at altitude, like hitting like 520 every mile with, with 60 seconds rest. And that's I've done better than that at sea level. But at altitude, I had never really hit those hit those times. So. I'm like, dude, I'm so fit, but mentally, I think I was just done, you know, like there wasn't anything on the horizon. Um, I had just started working at UPS because I had lost my sponsorships from, from, you know, companies I had worked with because they were unsure like what to do when COVID hit. Uh, um, it was something else I was going to say, but I forget, but um, where was, uh, Basin at that point? Ba that's it. That's what I was going to say. Basin was due. Our son was due in January and this was November. So the combination of, of now working a full-time job, which I hadn't worked a full-time job in, in over five years. Um, I got a new son on the way. First child. First child. Um, there weren't any races, just this. So just this culmination of, of everything, I just lost my drive to, to just put in that, that daily work. And after that five by mile workout, I, I went out the next day and did a, did an easy run. And then after that, my training log just goes blank. Like there's nothing until, so all the rest of November, all of December, almost all of January. And then out of the blue, I say, well, let's go see how, how far gone we are here. You know, like, you know, if I'm going to make a comeback, let's just go see what the damage is right now. And I went to the track and I did three by mile with four minutes rest. So again, I had just done five by mile with 60 seconds rest in November at 520. And I went out and did three by mile with four minutes rest. And I went like 650, 640, 630. And I was like, whoa, like all right, we're, we're pretty far gone here, you know? And I actually wasn't motivated after that to like get back into training. So I didn't do anything again for like another week. And then I went back to the track a week later and, and repeated the same workout, did three by mile with four minutes rest and uh, improved my splits by about five to 10 seconds each one. But I was still in really, really bad shape. And um, after that, I ended up taking more time off and there was a point in February where I kind of started patching together a little bit of training. Like, you know, I'd work out one day, not do anything for two days, then do something. And, and then I was just like, dude, what am I even doing? Like, this is, this is so pointless. Like when it, like you need to, you're clearly not ready to get back into shape, whether it's like mentally, physically, it's just not the right time. So I said, I'm going to go back to, to doing nothing. And when I feel like the motivation to, to start training again is back, then I will, you know, start training again. And that's what ended up happening. I, I ended up not doing, I, I got it right here. My first workout um, from that early November. And obviously, like I said, I did a few just random sessions 
throughout just to kind of see where I was at. But my first day back where I was committed to to putting a plan together was March 22nd of, of 2021. So, you know, from early November to, to March 22nd, I had maybe done like five or six um, training sessions. And, and my first workout back was uh, a half mile run. It was, it was four rounds of a half mile run, 500 meter ski erg and 20 burpees. It's like four rounds of that. And I got done and I wrote my notes like I was dead, like so tired. And I went out the next day and did did a four mile run at 917 mile pace. Um, so I had I had my work cut out for me. Um, but you know what's what's funny about this whole situation is looking back on it, I had never had this amount of break from aggressive training since I had started Spartan in, in 2014. And I think in a way what it allowed me to do was was to recover and absorb all of the damage that I had taken the last five years of, of really competing and, and putting my body through a lot of crap. And I think what ultimately ended up happening, you know, is, is once I got through the rough patches and we can get into like the details of that, but what ended up happening was this break, although very challenging to come back from when I did come back from it, I was able to be a better version of myself because my body had finally gotten the break that it probably needed a long time prior. Um, you know, ligaments, you know, whatever it was, you know, everything had just like healed up. Um, the body was fresh and it was ready to put in work. Um, and I really attribute that hiatus from, from training um, to really catapulting me into a whole nother kind of level of fitness um, when, I, when I was able to get it back. Um, but, you know, I wrote some things down here that, that I do want to share you know, for anyone, uh, you know, who, who happens to go through a long stretch without, without training and, you know, they're really struggling to get back. Can I pause you one second? Yes. Yes. I want to hear this all, but I do want to preface this by quantifying for people what the degradation was, because some people are going to be like, oh, you did 520s and now you're doing 640s. Like, who cares? That's all so much faster than me. But from 520 to 640 pace, is about 20% slower. So that's like going from running a 10-minute mile to a 12-minute mile with the same amount of effort. Doing that follow-up easy run at 9-minute pace compared to what would normally be 6.30 to 7-minute pace is another about 20-25% degradation in pace. So you got between you got almost a quarter slower throughout your time. So even though some people took six months or six years, 25% slower is what happened. So that's the key piece here. It's not about what pace he was running. It's how much slower. 20% to 25%. That's going from a 20-minute 5K runner to 25, you know, to 24 minutes. So that's the type of, of, of fitness change we're talking. Just to put it into layman's terms here, picture yourself 25% worse than your best. And I actually took a video of myself after that first session back. And I almost shared it with you, Bracken, uh, one time when, when I know you were going through um, 
a tough time kind of getting back. But what I ended up doing was I finished that, that first workout where I did a half mile run, 500 meter skier again, 20 burpees for four rounds. And I was so defeated by how that felt that I, I, I felt like I needed to document kind of what that experience was like. And what I ended up doing was I turned on my camera and I just took a selfie video and kind of explained kind of where I was at and, and kind of where I'm at now. And I just had an honest conversation with, with me and the camera and it was actually pretty emotional. I ended up, I, I didn't think I was going to get emotional, but I ended up getting emotional in that video because um, I just knew what what the what it was going to take to get back to where I was at, and uh, I didn't know if I could do it. I really didn't know if I could do it because I don't know if it was just a, a moment of weakness, you know, or feeling sorry for myself in, in that in that particular moment. But I really didn't know if if I could get back to where I was at, but. At the end of that video, the last thing I said was, I, I am going to come back. I will come back. You know, there, there were the moments where I was doubting myself, but then I, I kind of flipped it and was like, I gave myself a six-month window. And uh, I said, by the time August comes around, this was March, I was like, by the time August comes around, I want to be back to at least like 95% of where, where I was at. And, you know, the thing that worked well for me in, in the beginning stages of my comeback was to completely take away the metrics of everything. I didn't want to know really how fast I was going or the distance I was going. Like, yeah, I like obviously like went out for a four mile run and, and like tracked that stuff. But like, more or less, it was like, hey, let's go out for 30 minutes and see where that gets us. You know, like, don't say I'm going for four miles and we're going to try to maintain eight minute miles. Just put like a time on the schedule or on the day and go out for time. Don't even worry about like how fast you're running or how much distance you covered. Just just go out and, and put in the work. And the second thing was structure. I think Honestly, there's, I, I did away with structure in the beginning. I basically just worked out and did random things, whatever I felt like doing, because anything at this point was better than nothing, right? So whatever I was craving, whether that was some sort of short Metcon or like a long run or, you know some freaking bench press or squats, whatever it was, whatever I was craving, that's what I allowed myself to do. Um, there was no structure. There was no, I might even just go hard every single day. Maybe I'll go hard for like five or six days in a row until I feel like, all right, like maybe I should probably take an easy day and, and not do anything. There was just no, there was no structure at all. And, and that was really, what I wanted, I, I said, all right, we're going to do away with structure until I feel like my fitness is in a good enough place to where I can actually start training. So it, really, I was just like working out until I felt like I was in great, good enough shape 
to put together a training program. And uh, I would say that took about a month of just like doing random, literally like random stuff, um, which, which again was improving my fitness because again, it was in such a bad, such a bad place that um, anything I was doing was, was kind of moving the needle in, in the right direction. Um, so, you know, that's one thing I recommend is that when you're starting to come back, anything is, anything is better than nothing. Um, and, uh, you don't need to make sense of, of everything, you know, like just kind of get yourself back to, to some sort of, uh, some sort of fitness. And then, and then you can kind of put together a plan going forward. And and that's what I did. And, you know, the third thing that I, that I did was I, I, and I'm not this kind of person, I'm not a put a date on the calendar kind of guy. Like I've never needed, uh, something on the calendar to motivate me to train, but I had also never been this far out of shape. So what worked well for me was I picked a race in June, which happened to be the Dallas AT&T stadium race. Um, so I had one week in March, I had all of April and all of May, and then a little bit of June to, uh, to get myself ready. And uh, having that on the calendar, something to to strive for, really kind of got me back into just like a good mindset. Um, it, it was it was motivating for me, um, especially that's that's one of the biggest stadium races on, on the Spartan circuit all year long. I knew the turnout was going to be, you know, good, and if I didn't show up prepared, I was going to get waxed. So I, I put something on the calendar, you know, like I. I said, all right, like I know three months is going to come quick and I might not be where I want to be, but um, this is kind of, this is going to be the start of it all. And, you know, in April, I went and did a deck a mile and, and got waxed by VJ Jones in a deck a mile. And I'm now currently the world record holder and the world champion, but um, VJ Jones freaking put it to me. Um, in, in April of, of 2021, when we competed against each other and, um, you know, so, so again, like the three things that I can recommend the most was, you know, don't track your metrics, just go out and, and move, do away with structure for a little while, just let your body do whatever it wants. And then, you know, put a date on the calendar to, to kind of get you, you know, moving in the right direction. I've, um, I got a whole queue of things I got in the chamber. I want to fire at you. So I'll try to contain myself here. Cause you dropped a lot of good stuff there. Um, you know, what's interesting is you beat me to it when you talked about, um, the fact that you needed that reset time that maybe eventually it to actually help propel you to better success now, which is hard to see in the moment. Right. But we talk about changing up stimulus to progress fitness. And the one thing, one stimulus, or maybe lack thereof in this case, you hadn't given yourself in six years was rest. Like true metabolic reset rest. Like talk about changing stimulus. And it's a conversation that needs to be beat into so many people's heads. Anytime I have a consult call with a new athlete, first question I ask is, when's the last time you took a break? And I said, I won't work with you if you haven't taken a break here in the last year. Like step one. Change your stimulus, that means don't do anything. And I'm not saying 
a lot of people need to get more consistent. Don't get me wrong, but I just find that very noteworthy about rest eventually being the right recipe for future success in the moment. Of course, it was brutal and it will feel that way, but I just wanted to make a small note of that. Um, and I'm sure now that you're through the storm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned about your clients cause I've had those, you know, I now do some online coaching and a lot of, you know, one of the things I have them do is kind of send me a week of training. Like what, what does a week of training currently look like for you and, and send it to me. And more times than not, these, these people are training longer and harder than I am, you know? And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. we, we, we need to take a step back here before we take two steps forward. You know, um, the, the rest piece is, is the hardest thing for somebody who is just constantly striving, I think for their own, whatever their level of greatness is, um, rest is always the hardest thing because we feel like we're not moving. We're not moving forward when, when we do that. And when I was able to come back from being in a, in a bad place, I did think about that. I was like, wow, maybe this big break is like you said, it's now propelled me into a, another stratosphere of, of fitness, but still I was maybe a little bit skeptical, but then last year before the high rocks, North American championships, when I, you know, upset Hunter McIntyre, I got sick with COVID a few weeks before that and missed six consecutive days of training a few weeks out from the biggest competition, you know, of the year, I missed six days in a row and I I bounced back and had one of the best performances of my life. And that was when I was like, okay, like clearly there's something to this rest thing, you know? And, and now, now it's something that I'm, I'm really starting to integrate into my training more you know, after the DECA Fit World Championships, uh, not after DECA, after I went to the LA High Rocks, um, you know, a few weeks back, I took a week off after that competition, even though I knew I'm still on a time crunch to get ready for the North American Championships. I, I said, I, I need this break. I need this reset because I'm that confident that, that it's actually going to benefit me long term. And it's, it's, it's taken, you know, some, you know, it maybe hadn't gone down the way that I wanted to in terms of just like the way the rest kind of happened. But um, it's, it's something that, that I know, especially when you're training hard, right? Like you're on a, a, a regimen where you're putting in tons of intensity, tons of volume, like just taking a recovery day where you go out for an easy 45 minutes, like, yeah, that like, yeah, that's helping some, but like you need a period of time where like you're just doing absolutely nothing. Like that's when the body's really going to absorb like all of the work you've put in. And uh, it's, it's hard to see that at times, you know, cause you're, we're so used to doing something every single day, maybe even twice a day or three times a day. I've done three workouts in a day you know, two runs and a lift session. Um, but there's no doubt that that rest can help you. Um, and, and hopefully this will be something to where, you know, if people are, you know, really out of shape and they've taken some time off, like have the mindset that like, okay, like now I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back stronger, 
than I was before. Um, it's a hard place to, to put yourself into, but, but that's where I am now. Whenever I'm forced to, to take a big break is like, okay, like I'm going to come back even better than I was before. Um, and that's really my mindset going forward. You described that video and you, you had told me about the video before you said, Hey, I understand you're going through something. I almost sent you this video, but I can't have someone seeing this yet. <laughs> I don't understand why. And now I see like it was an emotional thing. It was a really raw, vulnerable moment. And I can only imagine how it was if it got you back to that place, just thinking about it. But I've sat in that place. And Kirk had, you know, Kirk didn't have an easy last calendar year. I'm sure you've sat in that place, Kirk, sitting there and thinking that the thought of getting back to whatever the goal is, is so daunting that I'm nervous to even take the first step. I've sat there, spent three surgeries now. Each time I get further and further away from where I believe I want to be and should be. And each time I've sat there and thought, is it even worth starting knowing, like you said, what it's going to take to get back there? And then now, is it even possible to get back there? And how long is it going to take until it even feels possible again? And recently, I've gotten to the point where I can feel that it's possible again. How long did it take for you to get from that emotional part of, oh, this is going to be such a task, and I don't even know if it's doable? When did you start to see that doable point? Because that is a huge sticking point for people is it's not even worth trying because I'm so far gone. Really up until, up until that Dallas stadium race that I did, you know, I was feeling so bad in every, like every, we talk about the gray zone, right? Like you're not going easy. You're not going hard. You're just kind of in this moderate dull space. Like that's where I felt every single day. You know, because I was so out of shape that, you know, doing a little bit of work was bumping up my heart rate, you know, um, and I just like I just felt like crap, honestly, for about two straight months to where I'm, I'm, I'm sore after like I didn't feel good, like something was always bothering me. And it's just a constant reminder every day when you wake up and you feel like trash, like you know, what, what am I even doing right now? Like, is this even worth it? And, and to me it was because I, I kind of told myself that if I'm going out, I'm not going out like this, like, this isn't going to be how I go out. Like this is, I mean, I had every reason to, I, you know, I now had a full-time job. I had a kid, you know, it's just like, okay, like the excuses are there. Like I can just give up on this, but I still felt like I had more to give. And I feel like, you know, and I, I was getting older, I think at the time I was like 34, 35, you know, like my prime as quote unquote, you know, been, it's behind me, you know, is it, can I get back to that level? But I was up to the challenge and don't get me wrong. In, in the first couple of weeks, it required an insane amount of discipline to just get out the door. Um, but that's one thing I have always been, I, I think, pretty good at. You know, I, I do think I have some skill and, and some talent. I was born with born with a little bit of genetic, genetic gifts to, to some degree, but 
the one thing that I think has always kind of helped me get to where I am is my consistency and just like my discipline, you know, like I'm willing to work out and train even when I'm not motivated to do so. And I understand that most people might not be in that category. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, I know. And I, you know, I knew that eventually things would click, you know, I didn't know how long it would take, but like I said, in the beginning, it, it took about two months before, you know, I started like hitting like workouts where that were like anything of note, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and it, it gave me it, the, the momentum just started building really is what happened. You know, like you get through that rough patch in the beginning where every day just kind of sucks, but then you start feeling a little better. You start integrating some, some quality workouts into your training and, and the momentum is just kind of building and building and building and building and your fitness is just slowly, but surely it's coming back and you're feeding off that. Now, all of a sudden the motivation is, is starting to come back because you're, you're starting to see the improvements and having that race on the schedule was, was really everything to me because that was like, okay, like I, I didn't expect to just like crush this thing, but, um, I needed, I needed to go put myself back out there in, in, in like a race scenario and really just kind of like test myself and, and, and see where I was at and, you know, if you guys saw any of the footage from that Dallas stadium race and, and, you know, how emotional I got after I ended up winning that race and, um, I got, I got finished and was, you know, pounding my chest and was just really excited. And, you know, the, from, from the naked eye, people watching be like, dude, this guy is out of his mind. You know, what is he like, what is he doing? Why is he so like jacked up? But they don't know what I had just gone through the last, couple months trying to get myself back to this level. I was just so proud. I was, I was really just really, really proud of myself because there were so many times where, where again, like I said, I just, I didn't know if I could get myself back to where I was at, but I was stubborn enough to, to try. And, uh, you know, ultimately I, you know, was able to to kind of get back to, to where I left off and then even, even exceed kind of where I was at prior to taking that long break from training. Um, but you just got to know, you got to know that it's going to suck. It's going to suck in the beginning, but you have to keep showing up day in and day out. And I promise you that one day, like it's, it will click and everything will make sense. And every day won't be so terrible and you're going to start building momentum every single week. And, um, once you start building the momentum, then the motivation comes and and then, then you're in, the, then you're in a good place. And, and that's really kind of how it worked for me. And, um, that's really, really all I can say. It's good for people to hear how bad it sucks. It's good for people to hear that because people think in general, these uh, cyborgs, as maybe Yancey Culp would call you, uh, have it easier. That you don't get out of shape like I get out of shape, Ryan. You don't know what it actually feels like to be at the bottom of the fitness barrel and how, how hard it is to get back. 
And I tell people, clients, I start with clients in the gym who are like really out of shape, haven't worked out in years. And they think you can't relate to them um, in a sense because you're not them. But I tell you what, through the experience I've had, like I've had over the years, starting over is starting over. Whether you're 400 pounds or 150 pounds rip, right? Like starting over feels the exact same. Sure, your metrics, you're starting over is 650 mile pace. Maybe somebody else is starting over is 15 minute mile pace, but it feels equally as trashy. And getting through that hump is just because you're in the fitness world doesn't mean it's going to be easier. Ryan Kent had an easier time with his comeback. Like you're going to be in the shit no matter who you are, whether you're as talented as you or you're not. It's always that same misery. It always is. Always. It's always hard. No matter how much you've done in the past, sure, your spring back happens a little quicker. And, of course, you get momentum maybe a little easier because you've earned that right through all the years of training prior. But, like, it's always hard. And don't feel bad for yourself. Like, you're all alone in this place. Like, it's only hard for me. It's not hard for everybody else to come back. You're dead wrong. It's hard for everybody. And I think just the way you describe that is just really good for people to hear because – no feeling bad for yourself in these situations. That doesn't help anybody, right? It's just like, put your shoes on, put your head down, show up tomorrow. That's just what I think. I hear that a lot about how much easier it is for guys like you than it is yeah. for the lay person. And I just disagree with that. From my personal experience in terms of, you know, how much break versus how long it takes you to come back from something for me personally, and this is obviously going to vary from, from individual to individual, but if I take a week off from training, it typically takes me three times that to get back to where I was at. So if I take a week off, it's probably going to take me about three weeks to just kind of get back to where I was at before I took that week off. But then you kind of, you get back and then you might even, you know, move a little further past where you were at. But if I take two weeks off, it's about six weeks three weeks off about two months and so forth. I multiply it by two. And that's, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's why I've always said now, so now that I'm back and I'm, I'm, I have great fitness, I'm healthy, like everything's good. And I, I do want to program in more resting and in, into my program, but I I've told myself that if I ever take another break of that magnitude, you know, four months of really doing nothing, like nothing, I don't know if I honestly, and I'm being full disclosure right now, like, I don't know if I would want to go through that again. So like, I'm as long as I'm still competing professionally, I don't think I'll ever allow myself to take more than like a week or two off from training just because I remember how bad it was to get back to where I was at. Um, you know, obviously one day when I'm older, like I'm sure I'll take a couple months off and, and you know, it'll be what it is. But as long as I'm still competing, I don't, I, I just can't ever get that far gone again, because I remember just how bad it sucked, um, getting back to that level, but it can be done. It can be done. Um, and like Kirk, you said, like, it's just, you have to accept 
that the beginning, the first couple weeks, the first month, maybe even the first two months, like every day is just going to kind of suck. And that's just, it is what it is. And you have to just deal with it and, and really just trust the process um, and know that, you know, bluer skies are, you know, in your future. And I will, I, I, I gained weight. I, I, I put on about 10 to 12 pounds of, of just like fat, you know, like when I did that deca mile with uh, VJ Jones, and then I even went out to Austin and, and did a Spartan race the day after I flew out to Austin. Cause I was like, I'm going to hop in like a low key Spartan race and just kind of like see where I'm at. If you notice, I never wear a shirt, but if you notice in that deca mile and that Spartan race in Austin, I'm wearing a shirt that is 100% because I did not want to show what was underneath that shirt. I had, you know, to, to most people's standards, I was probably lean and, and cut, but like I was nowhere near looking like what I'd looked like before. And I was embarrassed to show it. And, and I wore a t-shirt when I competed. And um, that was something that I'd never experienced before um, was, was feeling insecure about kind of how I was looking. Um, so that was a whole different piece to this that I, I really didn't expect to, to go through, but, um, that was just kind of the reality of the situation. From time to time, I run into someone that I knew in college, or I start working with an athlete who was a college athlete and then let everything go. And I'm probably going to fumble my way through this because I want to say it correctly. And I don't know the correct way of saying this, but when you were an animal, and you're still successful in other areas of life, but you come to try something new or to pick back up in the thing you used to be good at or a monster at. It's really, really, it's like a shameful feeling realizing the shell of yourself that you were. And whether it's my old buddy that I talked to who's put on 50 pounds and can't run anymore or working with someone that used to be a D1 football player and now they're like, they're almost like subservient when they talk to you. It sounds bad, but they take a they take a second class role. They defer to you, and you wanted to shake them and be like, "I knew you when you wouldn't back down to anyone, and I knew you when everyone looked at you and just thought, "Oh my goodness, like you are that still." But it's really difficult to get to that other place and have to pick back up with a totally different set of skills, confidence, and expectations. So it's something I've struggled with. And I want to hear just maybe your thoughts to it. How do you go about lowering your expectations of what you'll accept on a daily basis without changing your standards that you held for yourself prior to being in this lower place? Like how do you, how do you accept being heavier and slower and saying we're not going to track metrics and I'm not going to do the monster things I used to but I'm still, I'm not going to cage that animal either. I'm not going to say I'm less because of it. I'm still there, but for the time being, I have to relax a few of my standards. How do you do one without losing the other? I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't really know. I, I don't know if I have a great answer to that question. Um, Cause you're like me. Like, yeah, you say one of your biggest skills is discipline and just getting it done. But I also believe that one of our biggest skills is we're dreamers. We just will always assume we're about to break through. 
whether it's realistic or not, we are our biggest believer, even when it's not working. But then you bring us to a really low point and it's hard to accept those new standards of overweight and slow and still be the confident dreamer. Did you run into that? I mean, I, I will say that I, as much as I feared the the future and, and kind of the work that that was going to that it was going to take to to get back to that to that cyborg that, that Kirk alluded to earlier. I think I was more fearful of the person that I was becoming, you know, like I was, I was, uh, I don't really know how to word it. I mean, other than just like, I didn't like who I had become in in that moment where I had really kind of let myself go. And that, that scared me more than, than the work that was in front of me. Um, and that, that's really, really what it was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to expand on that any, any further other than, yeah, like I knew it was going to be a long, hard road to get back, but that didn't scare me nearly as bad as kind of where I had let myself get to, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Sorry if that wasn't like, no, well, I didn't ask a good question. <laughs> Fear's a good motivator, probably the best for better or worse and fear of becoming something you don't like. I'd say it's pretty good motivation, I would say. I uh I actually wanna I wanna talk about the other side of this whole story, Ryan. Um the one in which I think people are gonna be able to relate to and we've been talking about the other side. We've basically been talking about March on. We haven't we didn't talk about November. What happened, what what you were feeling, why why that came to be meaning suddenly you just i mean we know you started a new job a baby was on the way i use this phrase lately called seasons of life and i'm a firm believer at sometimes you just need to put focus on other areas of your life other than fitness and that's okay but like for people to understand like ryan kent fell trapped to this if ryan kent can fall trapped to this well that's pretty humanizing right so what I want to know is like the beginning, like what was, what was going on? How did it just suddenly happen? Like one day turned into two, was it a conscious decision? Were you feeling completely fried at both ends of this, the candle? Like, like, cause people feel like weak. They feel like failures when they fall into these slumps. Right. And they're not necessarily always like, sometimes this is a necessary thing to happen. So what I'm wondering is the beginning, <laughs> like what happened? Like what was actually going on in your head and what were you feeling? Yeah. So really what, what happened is, is what you just alluded to is, is I took a day off and then I took two days off and then two days turned into three, three days turned into four, four days turned into five. And then so what was going on in your head though? Sorry to interrupt, but like what, was there any thought like conscious thought about it? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I'm trying to remember back and I think at the time I was just done. I was just done. Like I, I just, I don't know if that meant like I was moving on from, from competing. I, I, I don't really know what that, that meant, but um, I was just done and, and I needed a break and um, 
man, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think I had just been pushing myself and, and, and just working so hard for so many years that eventually everything just kind of piled up and, you know, I just, I just needed a break and it, it was weird in how it came because I had nailed a freaking workout, you know, two days before I decided to take a day off, you know, I'd popped one of the best workouts I had ever done. And then went out for a run the next day. And then the day after that, I just was like, oh, rest day. And then I took another rest day after that. And then I think I went maybe two weeks and then I was like, oh, maybe I should like try to do something and and did something. I was like, yeah, there's, there's no fire here. There's no motivation. There's no, there's no inspiration. Um, and uh, I don't know if I was just moving into this new phase of life to where okay, like you've been Ryan the athlete your your whole entire life, but now we're going to be Ryan the the family man, you know? Like we're going to just work our work our corporate job and, you know, take care of my family. And um, I think to some degree I had come to terms with that. Uh, I had, you know, I, I never graduated college. I, I ended up dropping out of college for, for a reason that we won't get into here, but um, when I nailed that job at UPS, I felt like I can't, I can't lose. It felt nice for once to have some security, some, some, uh, some financial security benefits, things that I hadn't had in, in, in quite a while because I'm chasing this dream of becoming a, you know, a pro Spartan athlete. And now all of a sudden I'd been, because of COVID, I was gifted this opportunity to work with this company um, when typically it's actually a very hard position, position to get. And, uh, I think that shift just, I don't know, like it was, it was a nice new change in my life to where I'm like, wow, like I don't have to grind freaking every single day to try to make ends meet. Like now I've got this really nice high paying job and, uh, got a baby on the way, like all these new things to look forward to. And, uh, I think in some, in some ways I was content moving on. And, uh, you know, after I had missed a couple weeks to a month, I was just like, dude, like this is whatever, like it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm clearly like moving on or I don't, I, I don't know. Like I just, the motivation, there was no motivation. There was no fire to, to do anything. And, um, I knew in order to, you know, if I ever was to get back, like that motivation and, and that fire, like I kind of needed it to come back and it just wasn't there. But really, really, it was my wife who kind of pushed me into getting back into training because I think she noticed that she just noticed that I wasn't the best version of myself, you know, like I wasn't particularly happy, you know, even though we had all these like cool new things looking forward to. Um, and, and really it was her kind of pushing me in the direction of, of trying to make this comeback. Um, that, that, and, and, and I think I needed that from her because I'd been chasing this selfish dream for, for quite a while. And, you know, everyone else had taken a back seat to, to my career. Um, you know, one of the, 
we joke about it today, but one of the first things I said when, when my wife and I started dating was like, and she'll tell you flat up on the first date, I told her, I said, you know, nothing comes before my, my training, you know, like, and I mean that in the nicest way possible, but like, you can never trump my, my love for training and competing. And, um, I don't, I think I said it more politely than that, but Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'd just been chasing this selfish endeavor. And finally, it was like, okay, like I've done my thing. And now I'm, I'm, you know, I got married at the end of 2020. And we had a baby on the way. And it was like this perfect transition into this whole new life and was ready to move on from from being an athlete. And, you know, thought that might be the route that I go and, you know, my wife really kind of gave me the okay to, to really start training because I really wanted to be there for her, um, with raising our baby in the beginning, you know, and, uh, she, she gave me the okay to, to go back to training and not that I really needed it, you know, but she kind of pushed me in, in that direction. And, uh, you know, it, it really kind of started from there, but, you know, like I said, I, th I think I was just in a place in my life where, I don't know. I had like other good things happening outside of competing. And, um, I was ready to explore that. And after about four months that was like, okay, like it's maybe it's time to, to see if we can get back to where we were at. And I did not, I did not, I did not know how challenging it was going to be. I figured within like a month I, I would be back to, to where I was at or, or something like that. But, um, obviously it took, took much longer than that. You said that you disliked the person you'd become more than you were discouraged by the path back and then talked about how Sarah wanted you to get back to training. And I think that's important for people to hear. Lisa just said the same thing to me yesterday. I joked like, what if I get hurt doing this? I'll just go back to lifting. You like me better when I lift anyway. She said, I like you when you're running. And it was interesting that like you gave up your job to try to be better. I pulled way back on my training to try to be better for everyone. And just like we like ourselves a whole lot less when we become that non-active, non-working out, non-pursuing goals person, people around us like us less. Even if we're doing it for the right reasons, we're not actually ourselves or our best selves when we're not pursuing something. And usually when we retract or pull back, we do it too far and we'll try to cover it with the best of intentions, but you're not the Ryan Kent that everyone loves when you're not training. Lisa prefers me when I'm running. That's just what it is. We're better that way. And everyone's better when they're working out or when they're pursuing something. And we forget that. And we have to remember that. And the people around you notice it immediately. Those clients that mm -hmm. come to Kirk or I or you who are like, ah, I used to do this. Now I don't like your spouse is going to know they may regret the time they, you spend away from them the first week or two, but by week six, when you're more productive around the house, because you're just a better person now, they're going to demand that you keep training. Everyone remembers the person they liked and they remember the person they tolerate now. We don't want to be tolerable. We want to be craved and we're craved when we're pursuing something. I firmly believe that.
I mean, that's a great point, you know, like it, it's making me reflect and it's like, of course it didn't work. Of course I, I, I'm not meant to, to, to just like, I don't know, go to work every day, come home, like be a dad. Like I've been goal driven ever since I was a kid. You know, I've always had something that I'm like working towards, accomplish it, move on to the next goal. And when that gets removed from your from from your psyche or, or whatever it is, like yeah, all of a sudden you're kind of you feel lost, you know. And uh, you know now I will say now that I'm back, I, I the motivation. I never thought I would be this athlete to where I would. I don't know, like I've I've never was looking to inspire other people when I started this journey. You know, it was very very selfish of, of endeavor. But now that I'm getting older, I sort of feel motivated by the fact that I am getting older and I'm, I'm still competing well. And, you know, you see other athletes like LeBron James in year 20 still putting up, you know, 40 point triple doubles. And uh, Tom Brady went in Super Bowls in his mid 40s. And even in our sport, you've seen guys in, in you know, Hobie Call and uh, Cody Moat and and Ryan Woods, Matt Novakovich, all these guys like in their, you know, 40, early 40s still competing well. I sort of feel like now I've, I've you know, I, I've run, I've, I, the ego part of me has kind of died. Like I no longer, I no longer feel like I need to just like rip someone's throat out, you know, in, in a race. Like there's a little bit that, a little bit of that in me, but for the most part, I'm like, now I'm going to be, I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going to be the Tom Brady. I'm going to be the LeBron James of, of my sport. And now I want to inspire people that, you know, even if you have let yourself go and you might be middle-aged, whatever, like everything is still in front of you, you know, like I plan on winning a big, a big event in my like mid forties. I could, I could even say like up until I'm 50 years old, I still plan to crush it. And, you know, if I can be the guy that, that, that people can look up to and, and give them hope that like, yeah, like, you know, you're 40 years old, you're 45, 50 years old. Um, doesn't mean you have to stop dreaming, you know, doesn't mean your, your goals have to stop. Um, and I think that's what happens with a lot of people is they, they get out of college and then just settle into, into their lives. And all of a sudden there's no more goals on the table. And, you know, a lot of my friends I grew up with, even ones I, I, I raced with, you know, are, are so out of shape. It, it, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, like. I don't know, man, like it doesn't really matter how old you are really, you know, like you can always start and uh, it may take people a little bit longer than others to, to maybe get to where they want to be. But um, I don't want to let, I think moving forward for me, I like, I, I want people to realize that age doesn't have to be like a limitation in, in terms of just like, what you hope to accomplish, um, throughout your life. And obviously in fitness there, there eventually, you know, father time will eventually, you know, I, I'm, I'm convinced father time won't catch up to me, but, um, eventually father time will catch up to most people. And, uh, 
you know, there are limitations there, but um, everything starts with just like exactly that. Just like you got to start. And then, you know, one day turns into two and then just building that momentum piece is, is huge because once you start feeling and sensing the progress, um, that's when, that's when you really become motivated to, to try to do something special. Yeah. And I want to be clear as well. I, I'm not advocating that we become vacant parents or absent parents and pursue these goals because you're a better person for it. So it's worth being gone. No, what I'm saying is that people don't need sports or goals to be absentee fathers or mothers. People are going to be on their phone. People are going to be out at the bars. People are going to be working late. People are going to be putzing around the house or in the garage. It doesn't take sports or goals to make you stay away from your parent, uh, from your, your wife, your, your husband, your kids. However, sports and goals will make you better for your family and kids. And I don't think that's debatable. And unlike some of those other pursuits, they can be done early in the morning. They can be done on your workout, your lunch hour. They don't have to pull you away from your kid. I mean, all three of us are men in a committed relationship. Two of us are fathers. I don't think any of us here are trying to say, go after yours and let everyone else play with the scraps. It's that we've been both sides and we're better at being in a committed relationship or playing with our kids or adoring our wives when we're also taking care of goals and pursuits and nothing sets a better example for children than parents who are grinding after something, especially if you can do it in front of them. All three of us have house gyms. Like the fact that we can do it without leaving the house if we want to is massive. So I, I want to be clear because someone was going to hear that and be like, oh yeah, yeah, have a great goal. You're going to be better. Just leave us behind. No, not at all. Do it in, within the time constraints of not messing up the other parts of your life. And then those other parts are going to be better because you are better for it. So Kirk, I know you had a follow-up, but I really wanted to make sure we drove that home first. Yeah, don't be a negligent parent, guys. Duh. Um, I'm glad you did. No. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, no, what I think it sounds like, it sounds like other things were just feeling more important. And that's okay. I think... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but damn it. Does it not feel like the, probably the biggest season of growth you've had in like a decade? I'm assuming as like a human being, Ryan, or am I reaching here? I would have to yeah. imagine. No, that's you. You simplified that very <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. And, and I think like, this is just my opinion. All in is not sustainable. In anything, all in is not sustainable. You talk about being that monster in your 40s, which I'm, I can't wait till May 17th comes when my, my table goes from 39 to 40, and then I can go shove it in 20 something's faces. Cannot wait. Just waiting to turn 40. And I'm sure you're feeling a little bit similar, but I don't believe that you can actually be your best if you're all in on something all the time. It is not pot. It does. It, it fizzles out. You mentioned Tom Brady. I bet you Tom Brady has a lot going on outside the football field that we don't know about that fills his cup and he can put emotional energy into outside of his training and his competing. I bet you LeBron James is the exact same way. It's why they're still doing what they're doing because they're multidimensional human beings, right? Yes. All in works for a while until it doesn't. 
Tom Brady might might not have been the best example because he did just get a divorce. Yes, sir. Well, we're, relationships aside, who knows how much was related? To. Right. But James is good. He's got a production company. He acts in movies. He's active in his community. He's still married. <laughs> Those are good signs. Who cares who I use as an example? But you understand what I'm saying is I, I firmly believe that like going through patches like that, I mean, you came back to it, you found it. Obviously, there's a little more balance. Now, you're not you're never always going to have it fully figured out. Like, let's not kid ourselves here, but we're working towards it. And I just think I think that all in thing, I've been getting a lot of flack for not racing a lot in 2022. I hadn't raced a Spartan or an OCR since March and people were up my butt about it. I'm like, hey, just fill my cup in other ways. Like, I'll be back. It's an important phase to go through for some people. And I think I think there's just look at the other side of it that you're, you've you been able to, you know, accomplish and get to. It's just like, I don't know, like putting your foot to the flame every single day in the same exact way over and over and over. Like, isn't as alluring as people think. And sometimes that reset is important. That's all. Of course, you got to get back to it. And it's going to suck. But I don't know what maybe I'm rambling, but you understand the sentiment yeah. I'm getting at. Right, guys? Yeah, it's it's mentally draining to 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 just have to be at your best all the time and, and you know, travel to races and have to get up for big races. And over time, it, it kind of loses its excitement and you're 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 finding yourself looking for ways to get excited for 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 an event when when it used to just come natural Um so if, if that's kind of where you're at, then yeah, it's probably time to just like do other stuff, you know? Um, and I was 100% there, you know? Um, and I think even from, from time to time right now, like I can show up to a race and, you know, might not be as motivated uh, as I have in the past, but, um, that's where I think that's just where like the discipline piece kind of comes in and uh, you kind of just, you know, you're trained to do this particular task. So you, you know, you don't need that, that extra excitement and um, you kind of fall back just on your, your pure fitness to, to kind of get you through something. But um, that, that mental, that mental fatigue is, is 100% real. And I was there. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm still there. Like, I think that would be the piece if, if I were to, to move on and, and do something different, it, I don't think it would be because of, because of any physical limitations. I physically, I feel, I do not feel 30. I just had my 37th birthday. I do not feel 37 physically, but I can tell you that the mental piece is, it would be the, the piece that would kind of pull me away from, from competition. So it, it, it's going to be a fine balance moving forward. I'm thankful that I'm in, in, in sports now with, with high rocks and Deca where uh, I don't have a whole series that I need to go race every year. Like I can just like do one event and, and get a qualifier and, and, you know, go do the, you know, the North American championships and the world championships. Like I cannot race 10 to 15, 20 times a year. Like I did back in 2014, 15, 16 when I was really trying to make a name for myself there's no way in heck I could I could go back to doing that it's just not sustainable um so yeah man if, if that's where you're at like it's that it's probably time for a little break and and like I said a break can be a good thing because you can always 
like you can you can come back better and stronger than you were before um and you just have to trust it once you fail once someone loses that zero in their loss column once you drop out of a race once you give in to fatigue or acknowledge mental health or mental fatigue once any of those things happen you're different for it like once you dnf a race dnfs are now on the table Sometimes you're better for it because you realize how much it sucked to drop out and deal with the aftermath and you'll never do it again, but you're aware that it's there now. Once you take a six-month break, you don't want to go through that again, but you're aware it's there. Once you lose your undefeated record, you're aware that losing's a thing now. And that's really scary for people up until you have it happen. But like you said, if you make it through to the other side of that, sometimes you're better for it because you can't go into a defeated season with the same mentality you went to an undefeated season. Once you've lost, like the motivation has to change. Once you've taken time away and you come back or you have kids now, you will not be doing it for the same reason you used to. And the thought of younger me, the thought of doing it for any other reason than just to like, like you said, rip throats and win, that was distasteful. I didn't even want to get to that point. But once you're through to the other side, you realize it's, it's a better place to be. You're more well-rounded. You don't wake up and go to sleep every day with your day determined its success or failure by how well your workout went. Like you will be different at the end of this comeback, but it's in a better place if you use it for a better place. It's a more powerful, stable platform once you're done with that really low point. And that's something that like you don't want to have one of these pitfalls, but you'll be better for it eventually. Yeah. And, and speaking to to workouts and, and once you drop, you start dropping out of races or cutting a rep short in a workout, mm-hmm. it's, it's more likely to happen again. And I will say, you know, when I was making that comeback, you know, and, and I would start programming in these quality workouts and, and, you know, maybe I'd say like, all right, today I'm going to do like six by 800 with 400 meter jogs and, you know, after like four reps, it's like, okay, like I'm pretty tapped out and you know, I could, I could call it right now. Um, I've always been, even if I feel a workout is falling apart um, and, and I might not even, it might even hurt me more than it helps me to continue the workout. I think as far as like mentally, it's, it's very, very important. And I've, I can't even begin to tell you the last time I cut a workout short or dropped out of a race because I don't, I don't allow myself to do those things. You know, I spoke to you yesterday and told you how I, I had this 10 mile run planned where I alternated one mile easy, one mile hard for 10 miles. So five miles easy, five miles of quality. And every mile I had to do 10 burpee broad jumps. And even in the shape that I'm in right now, I got through four rounds and I was just like, I'm toast, man. Like, I don't, like, I don't think I can do another round, but I knew as far as mentally, my psyche, I needed to finish that. I didn't care if it was a slower time than, than I wanted to run. I needed to finish that, that workout just to leave me in a better like mental space. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there, there are obviously going to be situations where maybe it's smart to, to pull the plug, but I think more times than not, you know, I, I say follow through with, with what you had on the schedule, even if it isn't maybe to, to the standard that you want it to be. And when you're making a comeback, those days are 
probably going to happen, you know, a lot of the time, you know, and uh, I think it's very, very important to not give yourself that out to, and, and it's hard too, because a lot of us don't have coaches on the sidelines like we had in high school and college, just there like, you know, come on one more rep or whatever it is. It's like, it's just you, you there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's when you need to be mentally strong and, and pull through um, even when you don't want to. Yeah. And we've talked before about sometimes it's better to stop a workout in order to hit your next one. But when you're in a comeback, we're, like you said, metrics are gone. It's not like, well, if I continue at this pace, yeah, could I finish it? Sure. But my recovery is going to be so big. <laughs> no, pace is out the window. You need to complete the workout. You cannot lay tracks that start having gaps in them. It is not an option. Early on, you have to program workouts that you can complete, even if that means getting slower. Until, like you said, you get the point where you can handle real quality. You're not allowed to miss early on. It's too fragile of a creature to bail out of workouts early because you you can't be trusted to accurately say, oh yeah, this fifth round is not necessary. Like, how do you know? Yeah, and you're already you're already in a fragile state to begin with, and if you just mm-hmm. you start you know, drop in workouts, like that's only going to, to hinder you even further, you know? So I I think it's, it's crucial, especially in the beginning when, when you're just trying to get back to some level of fitness to, to push through those, those hard times, even if it means slowing down, you know, that's, that's, I cannot emphasize that enough. Yeah. I hear a story of like sustainability in disguise here. It's like, um, like, how was this going to be sustainable into the future? And it took a reset maybe to to get there. I think of guys like like Hunter McIntyre, for example. You've alluded to him a couple of times. Man, is he a fun show to watch. But how many things has he jumped to in the last five years? When he's all in, he is all in. What's on his Strava today, yesterday, the day before? Kayaking. He just, he was all in. It wasn't sustainable, and he moves to the next thing. Don't get me. There's a lot of brilliance in that, but his throttle being pushed down all the way leads to change, right? He can't keep doing what he's doing because it's not just, it's like a three-year-old with a new toy. You just play with it till it breaks and you go get a new one. Like that's really what a lot of us end up doing. Except we keep playing with the same broken beat up toy constantly. It just loses its allure. Think of like Matt Novakovich who's playing what pickleball right now. I don't know what he's doing. Again, I'm sure it's it's a fun show to watch, but sustainability, if you're going to choose a sport, requires balance and reset and recalibration and all of those things. And that's sort of what I what I hear a little bit when I just like think and now that I have a little more perspective after years and years and still like rediscovering my love for this sport. I'm 39. I've been endurance training since I was 14. And... And I've had my periods of down as well, but ultimately I think they were necessary to just kind of keep the fire going, right? I just think it's an important point. I think people just, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have no lives outside of this and take it as an insult. That's fine, but I believe it to be true. And I think it's important for people to understand what it takes to be sustainable in this. And that's just what I hear with you a little bit. I, I could be reaching again, but yeah. I, to be full disclosure, I've even told myself I have some, I have some goals this year and I'll, I'll put it out there. Like I would, you know, I have, I have three of the five 
hybrid racing titles right now. I have, you know, the High Rocks North American Championship and Deca Mile and Deca Strong. I would love to come back this year and win High Rocks and win Deca Fit and, and have all five on, on my resume. And, you know, I think if I were able to secure that, I've, I've, I think I've convinced myself that I think I just want to take a year off next year. And that doesn't necessarily mean uh, doing nothing, but I think that I'm getting to that point again where I feel like I just need, I just need a mental break from, from racing and, and, and like hard quality workouts and just the structure of everything. And, you know, I never would have thought that that would be something that I would consider um, in my past. Um, But because of the positive effects that have come from me taking long periods of rest in the past, I almost feel like if I want next year, I'll be 38. And if that's the year I take off, it's, it's kind of like, why would you take a year off when you're you don't have but so many years left anyway. So like you need to keep chasing it. But I sort of feel like if I do take 2024 and just have like a reset year to where like, I'm just kind of like really kind of just doing what I was doing when I was getting back into shape, just doing random workouts, things that excite me and and, and are fun. Um, I ultimately think that that's going to allow me to have success into my forties. And I 100% plan on competing into my forties, you know, like, like Kirk said, I get jacked up about being in my forties and beating people in, in their twenties. Like that is exciting to me. And I plan on doing that. If I want to do that, I have to start planning bigger periods of rest. You know, like when you finish a training block and you take a few down days, like that's not what I'm talking about, man. Like you need, you need longer sustained, um, breaks from training and racing to just have that metabolic reset that you mentioned earlier, Kurt. And uh, again, I I think that we're all going to be better off for it, but you have to understand the road won't be easy, but you know, it's, it's ultimately going to get you to where you want to go. And I think that's why I'm so, I'm, I'm so intrigued with, with Bracken's comeback because it's no secret that he's had like significant amount of time, like off from, from training and racing. And, um, I really, I, I talk behind your back a lot of the times with, with other friends and family members. And I'm like, God, man, if I really, I think Bracken, like when he gets back, like, I think he's going to be nasty, you know? And, I really believe a lot of that has, I mean, obviously you've had surgeries and and whatnot. So there's that variable, but I just think you're going to be better than you were before, even though you're older than, than you were when you were at, you know, what you would say the, you know, some of the best years of of your life, especially early on in your Spartan career. I, I 100% believe that, that the best is yet to come for you, man. And I think a lot of that has to do with this big break that, that you've had from everything. And, um, I'm excited to see it, see it play out. Well, I like hearing that you talk about things that get you fired up. Anytime something like that is said, it gets me fired up. And and I believe that again, I'm a dreamer. I believe those same things. It's been so long that you can't, 
you almost feel like a fool to believe it any longer, but you have to. There's no other way than to be a dreamer. Because the moment you stop dreaming, the, the moment those dreams don't come true. What would you rather do? Look like a fool at the end for coming short on your dreams or just never have a shot in the first place? I'd rather fall on stage than be sitting in the audience. And that's just kind of the way that I think most people should live their lives. Even if people are like, you've been in the audience, you've been outside in the hall for the past four years. What are you talking about? It doesn't ma matter because in my mind, I'm, I'm just right in the wings off stage. Like coach is about to put me in. You have to have that freshman on the bench mentality throughout every aspect of life. That keeps you young at 40. That's going to keep me young at 50. My dad just the other day, because we play basketball together in the mornings. He's 66 now, and we play basketball twice a week in the mornings. Now, he, had, uh, he was a quarterback in college. He separated his shoulder nine straight weeks his junior year. He had three so shoulder surgeries. His right shoulder is gone, so he's taught himself to shoot lefty. He's like, my lefty shot's coming around. I think I'm going to be playing my best basketball in like two or three years. It's like, that's 70. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. <laughs> like, think of how outrageous that statement is. I think, I think it, by the time I'm 70, I'm going to be playing my best ball. But that's that mentality that keeps you 50 at 70. It keeps you 20 at 40. It keeps you 60 at 80. That's what you want out of life. You've got to be a dreamer. I agree, man. And and I think that, I mean, I know we got to wrap this thing up here soon. I feel like that's like the perfect bow on this thing, man, is that I think that's what ends up happening. People just stop, stop dreaming and, and stop feeling like they can attain these things as they get older. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you could search and, and it doesn't have to be sports, you know, like it, it, it can be in business or, or whatever it may be, you know, like, you may have taken this long hiatus from whatever you're doing, whether it's running or CrossFit, like whatever it is, but I don't know, man, the world's changing, you know, like you can accomplish great things, um, even on a physical level, um, later into your life than, than what has been expected in, in, in the past. And, um, I think ultimately that's what ends up happening is people take these long breaks because they just, they just feel like maybe their time has passed, you know, and, uh, you know, if we can, if we can prevent that from happening to a, to a few individuals here, I, I'd say we, we did our job. It doesn't have to make sense to anyone, but you either. Like, I understand it's foolish sounding for you and I to sit here and think like, I, I'm going to have a big year this year. Oh yeah, what have you done the last four? Like, it doesn't have to make sense to anyone but you because it only has to get you out of bed in the morning. It doesn't have to get them out of bed. A play out of Ryan Kent's book that I think a lot of you listening, including Bracken, who's in this conversation now, should listen to is the fact that uh, you know you're, it's not ego-driven anymore when you go show up at DecaFit in April and know you're going to get your ass kicked. Then you go and take your lumps at a Spartan race the next day when you know you're not ready. Like, what'd you take, fifth there or something? I don't remember what it was. I remember seeing the result. You know what I thought? Good for him. Like, he went out and hit it. What, what'd you take that day? I actually won. I took, I took first. Oh, you did. No, you did not. Maybe I saw the deck of fit result. You won it. It was a diluted field. Let's just put it at that. I don't remember. All right. Clearly, my whole point's schlock. But the fact that you went out when you weren't, feeling ready and just you're like it's part of the process like i 
you can't kick you can't kick me when I'm down when I've been getting kicked in training every day already so like let me just go and do it and Bracken's mentioned that a number of times about like he's just been waiting till he's ready to go compete and there's no more of that now it's like part of the process is just exposing yourself uh on your way back to like the person you you can be yeah so I just think that's an important part for people to hear other than my misremembering of your race yeah, when you have enough confidence and belief in yourself, you're willing to take those lumps, you know, and, and that's where I was at. Like I knew I had this crazy belief in myself, um, even though I had no right to um, th- that I could get back. And it was crazy. I did win that Spartan race that you're referring to, but I was racing with guys that I used to beat by like five to ten minutes on a, on a Spartan course. And I'm freaking locked in a heated battle with these, with these people. And it, it really is very, very humbling. Um, but I was willing, I, I put myself in the fire and I just was like, this is just part of the process of getting back. And, um, again, man, it just goes back to accepting the, the road ahead and knowing that it's, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. Um, but if you stick to the process and, you you just come to terms with that like yeah it's probably gonna suck for a little while like you can overcome that and it will get easier it will get better and uh you know if if this is your first time getting into fitness and you're you're building like anything is better than nothing but if you were into fitness and you took a long break and now you're trying to come back like have the the mindset that you're gonna be more of a savage than you were before, whatever that level of, of being a savage is. And, um, a lot of the times, man, I'm telling you a break from training is, is just what we need, even though the process afterwards might be, be challenging. Well, I want to wrap up with this, Kirk. A lot of times you'll listen to a podcast or watch a show and you just see that people are feeding off each other and just, and just starting to talk based off the last thing. Like you can tell they're trying to be motivating or they get caught up in the moment and they're saying things that they may not generally practice, but like, this is going to be a motivating episode. Let's just be motivating. But I, I just want to confirm that this is Ryan Kent's attitude through and through. This is from a few months ago. Ryan texted me, Ryan, I'm going to paraphrase it and I'm not going to share all our stuff, but he said, your boy just turned 37 the other day and is still on top of his game. There's plenty of good years for you to, uh, to be had for you. You should just hop into some local events. It's a stress-free way to get back into competing without feeling like you need to be on top of your game. And every few months, I have messages like this from Ryan. He's been the number one cheerleader for me throughout this. He's not blowing smoke here today. He's not pimping his coaching platform or trying to show like, hey, look how motivating I can be. This is him every day. He reaches out without me reaching out to him. And he's just like, you know what I was thinking? I think you should try DECA this year. I think you'd be really good. I think you should jump into some local stuff. I'm 37. I'm looking forward to 40. You got like, These are the things he's always saying when no one else is watching. And when he talks about he's not just here to rip throats anymore. Ryan didn't say a word to me about any of this. Our first three or four years competing against each other. And I didn't say it to him. We were fighting for the same podium spots we were fighting for the same sponsors he took all of them but we weren't looking to help each other we were looking to beat each other and raise ourselves up but this is him now this is what this looks like this is not there's not a word today that was blowing smoke ryan believes these things because he's lived them 
And there's no reason that that can't apply to us. To add to that real quick, I, I really feel like I can, the reason I feel that way about you is because where you have been, you know, I have been to some degree and, and I, I rose and, you know, overcame whatever position I was in. And, and now obviously I have a world title to my name, but um, I have once been in that place that, that you're in right now. And um, I think I just have so much faith in, um, in, in what you can do. Um, in a lot of ways, we're the same athlete, you know, and, you know, if I can, if I can come back, like I 100% believe you can come back. And it was even to the point where I was like, dude, I'll, I'll literally, even if I gave you my own training and you performed better off of my training and beat me, like, I wouldn't even care. Like, that's just like, I just want you to, uh, to just really see that, you know, you can overcome like what you've, what you've gone through. And I think you could even be better than, than what you were before. And I, I believe that through and through, and I'll keep telling you that over and over again. And until, until it happens. And I know it's only a matter of time. And I know I'm not the only one, you know, preaching this to you. You got your buddy Kirk here who, who, um, you know, always checks on you. And, uh, Kirk still just wants to rip my throat out at races. It's <laughs> not true. But yeah, man, I just, I really believe in you, man. And, um, I know this episode wasn't, is, is, you know, it's not about, you know, you in particular, but it is about coming back and, and, you know, you've got, I don't know, man, your story's still left to be written, you know, like your, your best years, I believe could still be ahead of you. And, uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. Well, thank you. And I mean that. And thank you for this episode. Thank you for, as always, being more open and raw than a lot of people would have any right to expect out of you. And I believe it. You know, everyone here should believe that book is not closed. No one's story is written. You're, I mean, you, you shut the cover, it's done. Just keep that book open. There's no reason to close it early. That was a great conversation, Ryan. Thank you. I know you have a meeting in like two minutes. So uh, bow tie Bracken, bow tie Ryan, has it been done? We did it, though. Abrupt finish. <laughs> Running public away. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm.